On this edition of the Deseret News Ute Insiders Podcast, we talk Utah basketball, Ryland Jones, football, that and more on the Deseret News Ute Insiders Podcast. Hi, this is Greg Grubel, the voice of the BYU Cougars. And for some reason, they've asked me to tell you that you are listening to the Deseret News Utes Insiders Podcast. Enjoy! Welcome to yet another edition of the Deseret News Ute Insiders Podcast. I'm Dirk Fazer, joined in our Swank Salt Lake City studios by Mike Sorensen and Jody Genesee. Guys, how are you this week? I'm swell. Doing Mike? great. Really good. Well, I'm doing good, too. I uh, tripped over a rug. At, uh, I was in Orlando last week dropping my son off and broke a bone in my leg. And uh, I'm playing hurt today, guys, and I have a cold. And uh, But we're going to plow through this and have some fun. Uh, let's jump right into basketball, guys. The Utes picked up two big wins last week, uh, defeating Washington 67-66 and Washington State 76-64. Mike, uh those were two big wins. The Utes needed those desperately, didn't they? They really did because they started. They were in last place at the time, and uh, lose two more, and you're going to be buried and really in last place. Uh, never get out of the cellar, maybe. So that was really a big deal for them. Now they're back up, kind of in the middle of the pack, uh, with a chance to move on up again if they get a couple more wins. So yeah, it was a huge deal just to kind of stay relevant for the you know for the middle of the Pac-12 season. Mike, what's up with the, with the Huskies? Uh, you know, I think a lot was expected from them this season. They're kind of getting out of the gate maybe not as fast as a lot of people anticipated. You know, they've lost a lot of really close games. And in fact, I just looked at the NET rankings, the net rankings. They're like number 45 in the nation. They're right. still way ahead of Utah, uh, despite their last place standing in the Pac-12. So they're still really a good team. They just had some bad luck this year. I think uh, they lost a couple games. They lost that one game in overtime. Was it to Oregon and or Arizona, one of those top teams? Right. And they barely lost to Utah a game. They should have won. I mean, they, they had that game pretty much in the bag. So you turn a couple of those around, they've got a win record in the league and they're just right up there so they're going to be a challenge for the rest of the league I mean right down to the they've got two lottery well two first round picks on their team so they've really got the talent to right. uh, and they could they could go far uh, in the Pac-12 tournament and maybe make the NCAAs. That also speaks of uh, of the parity of the Pac-12, I think, in the middle. You have a lot of different teams that can come in any any week and any day and, and beat you. So. Well, you know, and kind of lost in the shuffle of this, guys, is that's a signature win for the Utes because they're playing a team that's got a high national ranking you know, as far as those uh, things that they weigh as far as who goes to the NCAA tournament. That, that, that's it's another of, what they call a, a quad one. A quad one win. Or yeah, whatever. in the top 50, and they've already beaten Kentucky and, and Minnesota. I got three of them, and BYU. So BYM. their non-league uh, resume is really strong, and if they can win, you know, if they beat USC, they're ranked, they're ranked like 45th, so there'll be another top quad one, and they've got a lot of chances coming up after that, so um, they just got to pick up some of these games that are going to be hard on the road, but they still have a chance to get some more some more big wins coming up. Mike, uh, you covered those two games. Obviously, Ryland Jones is playing phenomenal right now for the Utes. Uh, what were some other things you took away from those two wins? Because obviously, the Utes as a team showed a little moxie in that Washington game. You know, the biggest thing I took away was the fact that they've they finally got some uh, production from their two big guys. You know, or not they, they haven't they've had some good production from Mikhail Yantunin, the Finnish uh, forward. But uh, God, you, you know, could say that name. Well, so, some of us might be close. Jody, but. give it a try, <laughs> Mickey. Mickey. <laughs> so, um, which makes me want to sing, "Oh, Mickey, you're so fun." You're so, okay. I'll oh, go ahead and continue, stop. please, please Mike. Save stop. me. Um, 
You know, uh, Brandon Carlson, who's, you know, he's kind of been lost in the shuffle a bit this year. He's a kid that came off a, a mission in the summertime, and the people kept saying how, how good he's going to be, and he kind of starting to show how good he can be. And he had a great game. He had 14 points, three block shots. Jody wrote a great uh, story about him. And, and then there's Mickey, who who's really been coming on strong. So the biggest takeaway way I have is that is that, you know, you've been counting on, on uh, Timmy Allen and Booth Gotch all year, and those two have kind of hit the skids lately. They both struggle shooting, and so Utah doesn't have him. And they've, they've had Jones pretty solid all year. He's had one or two off games. So really, to have those guys step up, all of a sudden you have maybe five guys that can score for you, which going forward, if, if, if Timmy Allen and Booth Gotch come around, uh, that that's, should be uh, good for the rest of the season. Mike, do you think that those two guys, Allen and, and Gutch, is it the fact that defenses are focusing on them? Is that maybe why their production's down a little bit? I think in Allen's case, it definitely is. I think, you know, early in the year, he was able to work his way around inside a lot. Now they're, he gets in there and he gets double teamed a lot, and he's just kind of throwing up some shots that, you know, he used to have maybe one guy guarding him, and now he's got one or, you know, more than one, and they aren't going in, and he's kind of forcing a lot. So, uh, yeah, definitely him and the booth just is, he just can't, um, he's kind of just lost his shooting touch out outside that he had earlier and he's not he needs to go to the basket drive more and then once he makes some shots there he can't he just can't have these one for eight nights he's been having lately because uh and then he, then he just kind of sits, sits, sits outside and tries those three pointers and they're not going in right now yeah that's that's the thing i think about booth is he really needs to find a way when the shot's not going in to still contribute i think that's one thing that ryland does so well even when his shot's not on he's everywhere he's still helping the team getting them better i think timmy allen does as well one thing that i like that uh, Brandon Carlson said the other day was during the four-game losing streak, Timmy Allen sent out, I believe it was, he said it was after the Arizona loss, that Timmy Allen sent a, a group text to all the players and said, hey, keep your spirits up, let's let's keep going, don't don't get down. And I think that shows some off-the-court leadership from a sophomore. We, this is a team that's really lacking in that senior and, and junior you know, upperclassman leadership, but I like that Timmy is finding a different different ways to help the team, even when his shot's not off. Well, Jody, that leads to the million-dollar question. Is this young team coming of age, so to speak? I, I think that, you know, there's a lot of bumps and bruises that they've they've taken here early in the Pac-12. Kind of what you would expect. And so I, I think they're maybe not coming of age yet, but this is part of the growth process for them. You know, you have to learn how to play on the road, and, and they struggled. But then they came home, and they fended off Washington and, and had a nice win there, and then back, followed that up with a good home win against Washington State. And so that's, a, that's the first step, is defending your home court. And now they have to learn how to beat these other teams on the road. Some of their great wins earlier came in neutral court sites, and so uh, they need to, to carry that on. I think that's when we'll see that they've, they've progressed even more. Well, let's talk about Ryland Jones a little more, the Pac-12 Freshman of the Week. Looking at the two games he had, I know the Washington game, I think it was the 0 for 8 from three-point range. Yep. I think he struggled, but he managed to contribute in other ways. But I, I, I did some extensive math. It's my East High education uh, coming into play again. <laughs> Years later, but uh, looked at you played uh, an average of thirty-seven and a half minutes over those two games. Scored thirty-seven points, had just five turnovers for all the time he played, and you know he handles the ball quite often. Uh, Ten of twenty-one from the field, ten rebounds, twelve assists, five steals. He's kind of becoming a stat stuffer, isn't he, Mike? Yeah, he really is. You know, the thing I like about Ryland is he kind of just lets the game come to him. You know, he doesn't force things like a lot of players do. You know, that game against Washington, he didn't score the first thirty. 
35 minutes of the game. Then all of a sudden he gets 13 in the last 525 of the game. So, you know, but he didn't panic. He, his shot was off. He said, sometimes that happens. I couldn't make a three-pointer. Couldn't make a shot. He was 0 for, I think, 0 for 8, you know, like I said, you know, total up to that point. Then he missed a later, missed another three-pointer. So he's only two out of 11. But he did other things to keep him in the game. And then he has this knack of just kind of taking the game over, which he did at the end of that game. And then late in the Washington State game, when the other team was catching up, he did the same thing. He had like 13 out of 15 points for Utah down the stretch there and ended up with 24. So he just has a way of kind of, he doesn't kind of force things, but then when he, the team needs him, he suddenly, you know, can get get going and, and then carry the team for a while. He, yeah, he's got this poise about him that I, I saw a couple plays on Saturday that, in fact, I, I leaned over and, and said that he he reminded me of John Stockton. He, he had this little play where he, he crouched down and curled around the opponent and then went in for a layup. And I'm like, good grief, that, that was Stockton-esque. And he has this surprising quickness about him as well. He doesn't look like he's that fast. And then all of a sudden he's got this burst. And But I, I also like what he does defensively. He gets in people's ways. Uh, we talked about this, Mike. He sometimes flops. And, you know, I guess that comes with the territory. People would say that Stockton probably flopped as well. But How dare you? <laughs> <laughs> he's but, the king of offensive fouls. He's He was probably drawn... 20 of them this year, you know, whether they're all good or not, but he, he's done it. Yeah, it works. Yeah, whatever he's doing, he's well, got to keep doing. Well, you know, the interesting thing, I, I had the chance to do a feature story on him last week, and I talked to uh, Matt Barnes, his coach at Ole, and, um, and then I talked to his father, Chris Jones, and Chris emphasized that the coaches at Logan High and at Olympus High, the thing they did was give Ryland a chance to play and work through some of the mistakes of being a young player. I mean, he played a lot as a freshman up at Logan, played a lot as a sophomore, and obviously winning Mr. Basketball junior and senior years at Ole. And now he's at the U, and heck, he logged 37 and a half minutes per game last week alone. He's getting an opportunity, but it's not. It's more than that. He can play. Yeah, because I mean, if, by that logic, any of us could turn out to be a great player if we just had the chance to play. But no, it did help him to start his career off and to get the chance. And now, as a freshman, when a lot of guys, his you know, as a true freshman, would be sitting on the bench for most of the game, he's getting the chance to play and he's working through his mistakes. And I think he's going to have a great four-year career as a result. This, I, this, I'm glad you opened the door there for this conversation because I have a bone to pick with the current side coaches. <laughs> they really stifled my progression. <laughs> <laughs> I heard there's a few ward coaches that are to blame as well. Coaches all over the place missed missed big on me. I, I w- I'm with you. I, I've seen you play ball, and uh, <laughs> I'll have to agree with that. Hey, uh, anything else on basketball, Mike, that you think is relevant going into this uh, USC-UCLA trip? They obviously need at least a win to stay relevant in this race, don't they? Well, you know, they, they not necessarily because there's still, uh, you know, what, 14 games left. I mean, or no, 12 games left, you know, so they've got a lot of time left. But I think if they could split, most likely get the UCLA game because they're not as good as USC, that right. would really set them up well for the because that would put them back to even on home and road losses, you know, and they have a chance to finish at least 500 if they keep winning all their home games. So I think, uh, yeah, they definitely need to, to hope for a split and then uh, keep the momentum going. They got a couple home games next week and get back above 500. You know, I think one thing to look forward to, Krasoviak kind of pointed this out the other day, that Mickey is, I'm going to say Yana Tunin. I, that's, I need to work on the pronunciation. But Sounds good to me, brother. <laughs> Hano Metal has worked with him. 
uh, you know, he's he's leading the the Utes in scores per possession. So I think we're going to see more of him on the offensive side uh, as the season progresses. And I think that bodes well for Timmy Allen and for Booth Gotch. Mike, in past years, um, the big emphasis has been on getting a bye in the Pac-12 tournament. They don't seem to be talking about that as much this year. Is that because they think it's maybe out of reach because they're so young? Or has the focus of this team changed? Well, it's because of where they stand right now is the main thing. Um, but, you know, at today's uh, press conference, we asked Larry about his um, NCAA. I mean, we brought it up. Usually coach will say, oh, I'm not even thinking about that. But he says, oh, that's always our main goal, and that we'll, we'll think about that. He says, until someone tells me that we're eliminated we're still going to believe we can do it. So, you know, I think they're the same way. He used to say that same line, I think, in past years about being uh, getting a a bye the first round, you know, being the top four. I think it's going to be a lot harder this year because there's about five or six solid teams that are going to be hard to pass. So I don't think you can count on it. But, you know, if they can pick up a couple of these road games, there's still that chance. But they have put themselves in a bit of a hole with those early losses. Well, and then, Mike, I think you pointed out in weeks past that obviously getting that top four is no guarantee you're going to get to the next round. And sometimes the team that plays the night before has maybe got the kinks out. Utah's or maybe proved that. The rust and they, they lost three in a row on being yeah. the top seed. So maybe it's, it helps to, to do that, to have a game and warm up and then go out against the team that's been sitting. Get to go to Vegas a day later, but we come home early. So that's right. It would be nice to stay a while and have been. Um, let's jump over to football, guys. Jody, I know you kind of monitored these things, but the Senior Bowl, Bradley and I, three sacks. He obviously uh, put on a good show for the scouts. Yeah. I didn't watch the whole Senior Bowl, but I turned it on right as it was like the Bradley and I show. Two sacks, back-to-back, and then a, a moment later he had a, a he hurried the quarterback and uh, caused an interception. He just was dominant. I mean, he was getting into the backfield so quickly, just disrupting everything that uh, the South was trying to do. Uh, they spoke very highly. He was the second highest-rated player uh, at, at the uh, Senior Bowl. So I think he did himself really well. I liked one of the stories that the announcers talked about. Uh, Bradley and I, they saw him on the plane coming over. He was wearing a suit and they pointed that out that he, this was a business trip for him. And I think uh, of all the Utah guys, his stock had to have risen higher than anybody because as well as he played, he really put made a name for himself there. Yeah, and you know, and uh, Jalen Hurts certainly knows who Bradley and I is now. Terrell Burgess also had a good game. Uh, I think he had four tackles, parasolo stops, a pass deflection, and he knocked away a, a Hurts pass late in the first half And that. He also had a pretty good showing too, didn't he, Jody? Yeah, and he ha- had a lot of playing time, and Jordan Love, another local guy, had, had a little bit of playing time, but uh, the other Utah guys that did get to play was Francis Bernard. Uh, had one assisted tackle on the first try of the game, so he didn't get his much playing time, but you know, to see uh, Terrell Burgess out there for an extended period of time, that shows you that the coaches liked what they saw and, and that he was performing well, even if his statistics weren't, you know, outstanding, but that that's a good showing for him. Well, Plus, they, I read, I'm sorry, oh, no. uh, they, uh, one of the scouts was very impressed with him and in, in practice, Terrell Burgess, right. said he was, you know, one of the best guys there, so I guess, you know, there's more than just a game, but the week you're there practicing, you can also open a lot of eyes. Yeah, one of the things that I, that I read about that, too, is that he opened his, a lot of eyes with his versatility. He played some corner, he played some nickel, and he played some safety in practice during the week, showing that he you know, skilled at all three positions. So that bodes well, obviously, with NFL scouts. And then, for 
Francis Bernard, you know, did only have the assisted tackle, but he started. So that speaks highly of him, too, that he was able to start in an all-star game like that, too, because there's there was a lot of talent there. Um, he did well, really well in practice as well. There were a lot of good reports. That's the interesting thing. I hadn't really followed these senior bowls that much until this year. That, that week of practice is, for some of these guys, probably more important than the actual game. I think uh, Jordan Love is a guy that's in that boat. He really played well. He was named the offensive uh, player of the for the North uh, of the practice week, named by his teammates. And so uh, you can really, you know, Allen Iverson can say practice all he wants, but that's where you make a name for yourself. Well, let's do the Harriman High thing. Tell us about Lecky Foe, too. He was unable, I guess, to play in the game, but... Uh... Yeah, it looks like he was in Alabama, uh, but he tweaked it, uh, his calf recently and was told by the medical staff to sit out. So that's unfortunate, but I mean, anybody who saw Lucky Foto, you don't need to see him at the Senior Bowl to know that he's a special player and a, a beast who, will, who, wherever he goes, and I believe it'll be high in the draft, he's going to be an impact player pretty immediately, I think. All right. Now, before the Senior Bowl, there was the East-West Shrine game uh, in Florida. Um, Tyler Huntley started for the West and completed six of eight passes for 47 yards and a touchdown. Um, he also led two scoring drives for that team. So he uh, improved his stock, too, didn't he? Yeah. I mean, I, he showed this year during the season and in the East-West Shrine Bowl that he ha- he can pass the ball, but he's also, uh, you know, can, can use his legs and he can engineer drives and be a good team leader and so I think that's what coaches are looking for scouts are looking for he might be a guy that doesn't get drafted but could still come into the league and and get a chance just because of his outstanding athleticism and all the other uh, things that he brings as a quarterback on that one he finished with 45 yards on seven carries so he did well and you know in the to show that versatility obviously bodes well. John Penasini started and made two tackles on the D-line for the West, and then Darren Paulo saw action as a reserve on the offensive line. So between the two All-Star games, Mike, the Utes are pretty well represented. Yeah, they sure are. It just shows how the program's evolved over the years, and they just have you know more depth than they've ever had, and they just have a lot more of these top players, you know, more so than any other team in the league, I guess, this year. Jody, do you anticipate that that's going to bleed over into the draft? That we're going to see a, hear a lot of Utah names called this year. I mean, there are you know eight, nine, ten guys that could have their names called. You know, you didn't see Zach Moss. He decided to skip the Shrine Bowl to train and and to work on his athleticism and some of those things that his forty yard dash and all that stuff to make bigger numbers. And I think yeah, you're going to see uh, quite a few Utes and even that aren't drafted. I, there were so many. NFL quality guys on this team this year. That's why they played so well, and I, I think it'll be fun to watch their careers progress. I'm sure we'll see scouts from every NFL team when Utah has its pro day in March. Uh, that's kind of been the norm, but uh, we may see some high-profile general managers on that because there's a lot of a lot of talent up there, and Bradley and I, like he said, showed uh, the, the defensive line is as strong as it's ever been, and then you get Lecky Foto healthy and John Penasini. I mean, there's a lot of guys to choose from there, and Zach Moss, like you said, you could the list goes on, and Jalen Johnson, and many others. So it should be a fun uh, time in Las Vegas for the draft this year. Yeah, you got to get your leg healed, Dirk, before uh, the Utes pro day. That's true. <laughs> My 40 time is seriously lacking. Hey, uh, Letter of Intent Day, uh, National Signing Day, is the first Wednesday in February. Utah did a lot of their, like a vast majority of their class in the early signing period. 
What do you think is left for the Utes to get? Guys, they just picked up a commitment on Sunday from a high school quarterback from Oregon, Cooper Justice, who kind of fits into that mold now with Jake Bentley coming over from South Carolina just with one year of eligibility, Cameron Rising, the transfer. So it gives them a, a young quarterback to develop. Um, and Kyle Whittingham mentioned that that's probably the route they would take. They don't have very many spots left. Uh, I talked to Dan Sorensen, the recruiting guru from UteZone.com, and he indicated that uh, the other spots would probably be taken by a cornerback or a safety or, or both, but they really only have two or three spots left at this point, which is, he said, is vastly different than any other year that he's followed recruiting, that this will be a very uneventful National Signing Day. Mike, do you think that the fact that Utah did so well in the early signing period is indicative of anything? Do you think it shows that the program maybe has arrived? Because unlike past years where maybe they needed to rely on National Signing Day, they took care of business early this year. Yeah, I think you find that all the better teams did that. You know, if you're if you're not quite so good, you're kind of picking up some of the leftovers. And you're waiting for the second time around to do it. And the fact that Utah got what eighty or ninety percent of their players already, and they got the guys they wanted, makes it shows that the program is right up there with some of the best there is. And, and I agree that probably the biggest needs, considering they've lost their whole defensive backfield, you got another. Although they've signed some good guys, you can't get enough of those guys, and, and you got to have a couple rise to the top. So I'm guessing that's where they're going to try to find a couple more guys uh, in the defensive backfield that's in the secondary and then just hope that they, uh, a couple of those guys can develop and, and move right in there. Yeah, Dan indicated, Jody, that they were also uh, looking at a lot of guys that maybe are going to serve LDS missions before uh, actually you know, starting their college football careers. So there might be more names than two or three, but they're also looking seriously at some guys that uh, may help them down the road. And I guess that's part of the equation too. Right. And, and they're smart to do that. And Kyle Whittingham has really has excelled at integrating the missionaries into the program. And one of those guys that uh, give our, our friends over at U-Zone some credit is the Mission Viejo defensive lineman Keanu Tanuvasa. Tanuvasa. That sounds good to me, man. All right. <laughs> He's the one you got to deal with. Exactly. He's a defensive lineman that uh, it came down to Utah and UCLA, and he said he just liked the fit at Utah, and and so he's going to go on a mission before he joins the program. And so now the missions are, you know, these kids can go right after high school, so you get back pretty early. It's so yeah. you know, some of these guys will get back when they're, you know, may, maybe nineteen, early twenty. So instead of having to sit out a full year and then go on your mission, you'll get the integrated quicker than than you used to. So that's smart, though, to try to get these guys to build for the future. Well, it's part of the pipeline Utah's had with recruiting. You know, in the Polynesian pipeline, they have the return missionaries. They have some uh, avenues that a lot of teams don't have, and they've done it so well over the years. And, and, you know, a lot of these names that you might hear on signing day that are going to, you know, go on missions and that, you're going to hear some big names that schools like UCLA and other, you know, Power 5 programs want. Do you guys, uh, what's your thoughts on National Signing Day and that? I know for a lot of fans, it's like the like Christmas. Uh, do you guys put a lot of stock in that, or are you kind of the one of those, or you get those guys that like to sit back and say, let's look at this in three or four years? Yeah, I'm, I'm one of those guys, one of these old guys who just, uh, well, wait, let's wait and see. You know, it's fun. To, it's kind of exciting to see who these guys, who gets the most three and four and five star guys. But I'm always kind of a skeptic and say, you know, let's see what they're like uh, for three or four years from now and not get overly excited about it because there's always uh, an Eric Weddle out there who was a one star and ended up being in the NFL. Right. You just never know which guys are going to develop. And if you have good coaches, they're going to develop a lot of these players who may not be quite as highly ranked. So I'm just 
I'm one of the guys who says more of the wait and see type. And I know the answer here, Jody, but I, I don't anticipate suspect that you're one of those guys that gets up at the crack of dawn and starts to see which uh, letters of intent have been uh, faxed into the Utes and updated on their website. You're right. I don't even go to sleep. I get so excited. (laughs) No, I... Like like Mike, I I think that it really boils down. Yeah, you can have all the stars that you want, you know, like that's great. But it really boils down to what these kids are willing to do and and the work they're willing to put in and the coaching they get once they get to college. And so I think that's where the youths are in such a good position with Kyle Whittingham. And now they've got Andy Ludwig and Morgan Scally. They've got a, a great coaching staff in place that knows how to develop these players. That's where you can impress me. And that's that I think people sometimes put too much stock. I remember the the famous uh, sports bar uh, press conference that a, a couple of BYU guys had and you know they're Jay Keeps and you know they so much hype can be made that and then it's not delivered. So I think it's better to under promise and over deliver than vice versa. Yeah, and I think before he went to Utah State, the first time Gary Anderson always used to say, who puts these stars on these kids anyway? You know, it's not necessarily the coaches. He goes, who, where do you get them from? My sunbeam teacher used to put stars on me, so that's... Please don't sing the song. <laughs> you know, not another thing. I've been waiting 40 years now for one coach to say, whoa, we had such a bad recruiting time. It was so disappointing. <laughs> Every single coach had the great, greatest group of kids right. coming in. So you can't say, you just can't judge by what the coaches and the say about their players because everybody has a great recruiting class. You just have to wait and see how good they are. Easiest sports story of the year to write, isn't it? <laughs> another bountiful harvest in Utah or BYU or Utah State or wherever. So that's good. Hey, uh, We'd be amiss if we didn't talk about the Super Bowl. I understand uh, they're playing for the NFL championship, uh, the 49ers and the Chiefs. Uh, there's some connections on both sides. Alex Whittingham, uh, Kyle Whittingham's son, former Utah uh, linebacker and long snapper, is a defensive quality control assistant for Andy Reid with the Chiefs. So there's a connection there. And then, of course, uh, Mitch Wisnowski punting for the San Francisco 49ers. Um, Mike, you've seen a lot of these games. There's always a Utah connection, it seems like. Yep, there always is. It's either Utah, BYU, Utah State, everybody. I think every year there's had somebody. Uh, BYU has the most this year, I believe, and they have one on prominent guys on each side. Right, but, and, um, and Andy Reid, I guess. Yeah, yeah, of course. But, you know, the disappointing thing for me is it's they're, they're, it's the same day as the Utah-UCLA game, so I can't go to our, my usual Super Bowl party in my uh, family room like I usually do. In fact, Maybe uh, Jody and I can represent yeah, you. Yeah, the well, food's good. Yeah, what kind of food is your wife serving? <laughs> it's, it's good. Um, my uh, Larry Kristoviak t- mentioned that today. He was saying how we says we got a game. He says we're going to be flying home, so we're only going to be able to see the second half of the game. So he's kind of bummed out about it too. He uh, uh, yeah, he admitted that he thinks the 49ers are going to win. Yes, so. he did. He called that because of defense. Yep. Um, uh, I I uh, looked up Mitch's stats because I was curious how he had sure. done this year, and so he uh, on kickoffs he had a fifty one percent touchback percent uh, completion percentage, and he punted fifty two times this year for two thousand three hundred thirty three yards. I might be the only one who didn't know that. His long was sixty five yards. He averaged forty four point nine yards. So he had a, a nice year as punter. He's a good kid. It'd be nice to see him get a ring. But uh, you know our boss Kent Condon is a devout Kansas City Chiefs fan. So we all have to vote for the Chiefs if we want to raise, right? (laughs) 
<laughs> All right. Hey, uh, I just you know just going off what you said, Mike. In closing here, um, a couple of years ago, uh, my beloved Seahawks were playing the uh, New England Patriots in the Super Bowl, and I was covering a Utah USC game in Los Angeles in front of a crowd of about five hundred people, and it was an afternoon game, and everybody was trying to get out and get on this Southwest flight to Salt Lake, and I got on and I get to the airport, and I was booked on a later flight, and I begged the lady, and she let me on. So I'm sitting there, and I get the game on my laptop, and I'm the only person on there watching the game. And I've got about eight people hovering over my seat watching, and I was really angry when the Seahawks threw that pick at the end of the game and didn't give the ball to the beast mode, Marshawn Lynch. And so I slammed my computer, I closed it, and said, we're done. And all these people were getting on me. Oh, you got to watch to the bitter end. <laughs> nope, it's over. So <laughs> I remember that. So I hope you see more than I saw of that game, Mike. And, and I hope it ends well. But I guess, do you have a horse in the race? Who do you like? You know, those are, I'm not a big NFL, I've never had a favorite team, but right now, this year, those have been my two favorite teams. So I'm just going to watch the game and enjoy it. And whoever wins, I'll be happy. Jody, what's your pick? I still think the Steelers got hosed. So they should be there. Don't bring the Steelers up again. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> they're, they're the people's champion. <laughs> no, I, I don't mind the Chiefs. My boss is looking at me, a Kansas City fan. No, I, I don't mind either of these teams. So I, I think it's a fun Super Bowl matchup, uh, but I'll be probably rooting for the commercials and the food as well. All right. Well, let's wrap this up. Any uh, Anything else you want to throw out there before we uh, sign off, guys? Yeah, let me give my uh, weekly plug for the U Insiders newsletter. Every Wednesday night, it will arrive in your email inbox. More exciting than most of the spam that you'll receive. All you have to do to get uh, a subscription is go to Deseret.com. We have all sorts of great newsletters, Utah, BYU, Utah State, Utah Jazz, all sorts of different. Just go to Deseret.com, subscribe. Mike, anything from you? Well, we got to give a shout out to the ladies. You know, the, we won't talk much about the women's sports, but the Utah women basketball team has been coming on lately. They beat Colorado on the road a week ago, and they just beat Cal on the road. They lost to Stanford, which is understandable because they're always in the top two or three teams in the country. Uh, but no, they've uh, they've shown some promise. And then, of course, the gymnastics team's off to a great start. They're in the top five in the country again. So got to keep our eyes on both of them. And then, you know, last thing, too, obviously the Utes announced that they were going to honor Chris Hill with a banner in the Huntsman Center. Mike, you know Chris Hill as well as anyone here. I've been covering, covering him for years. Is that a good honor and a well-deserved honor in Yeah, your that's opinion? very appropriate. I mean, he's he did that for 30-plus uh, years and uh, did a great job as one of the top ADs in the country and brought the Utes a lot of success. So I think it's very appropriate. All right, folks, we appreciate you for listening, and we will talk to you later. 